So tonight, I want to share something a bit off the cuff, something that's been on my heart lately. I haven't done any real preparation for this, so hopefully I won't ramble too much and I'll, God will make a coherent point through it, but sometimes the Lord will put something on my heart and I stew on it for a while and um, it's just something that I have to let out. I don't know how to explain it other than like it's burning in there and I need to share it, whether it's totally realized or not or completely put together, certainly not, but, or that I've gone all the way through it yet, but so sometimes the opportunity to share and I wasn't sure if we were going to listen to a message tonight or do this and just uh, felt impressed by the Lord and I was reading something earlier to do this, to water others that I might be watered myself and so that tonight god we like we sang we want to see you high and lifted up uh, god open the eyes of our hearts that we might hear you in your word and through god the things that i say god may they be uh, your words by your spirit and and uh, god that they, they might go out and wash us and cleanse us by the water of your word and we just ask for your blessing on our family our home on our friends on our neighbors on our community on the country on our planet, God, we don't want one world government unless you're on the throne. And God, we don't want man's rule. We want God. Uh, we want your rule. Uh, until that day, God, let us be faithful for you, uh, and listen to you and you alone above all others, um, even when every other voice is against it, against you. In Jesus' name, God. Amen. God bless you, Bubba. So, it's been said, who will you listen to? Man's word or God's word? God. Good. I've heard that a lot in life, and I've heard it before, and probably even said it before. But it kind of hit me recently, it might even be today. Just that this is God's words on paper. If I want to know what God says, the Bible is it. And of course I've believed that, even when I was a little kid, that I knew that this was God's word. But I think a lot of times, we, and especially the world, don't really take it that way. Or like to think that we know better than what God says. That when God says something very specific or very hard, even the church will shy away from it. Like when Paul talks about rules on divorce, or Jesus talks about divorce, or other things, we like to soften it up and make reasons and make excuses and make things that sound more palatable, that fit into the way we've been raised maybe, or the way society views things. And we try and change God's word to reflect our own word. When really it comes down to it, that this is God's word. And if God says something plainly, he's saying something plainly. And there's not room for interpretation on it. When he says something is wrong, it's wrong. When he says something is good, it's good. 
And Pastor Chuck Smith used to always say, where the Bible is silent, I will be silent, right? There's things that we can't ever get the full answer to, like we can back up and say, well, we live in a sinful world, we can go and exegete the scripture and understand concepts of reality and creation. But the point I want to make tonight is this verse that's been sticking to me. And I've loved it ever since I first got saved. It's in Corinthians. I remember reading Corinthians when I first came to know the Lord up in my bedroom at my mom's house with a light on. Didn't have a lot of friends. Just started going to church and was just pouring over the word. And God was renewing my mind and washing my brain with it that I would be... I just knew it was just truth. I knew it was truth. And I'd been searching for truth and to soak in his truth and like... These are not the words I've ever heard before. It's English. I've read every word. I understand every word. But these words together, espousing the principles that are in it, are God's words. It's his truth, and it's the only truth, and it was good to hear. And I'm going to read it out of this translation, which is good. It's the modern English version. And then I'm going to read it out of the King James, which I think is even stronger. And it's 1 Corinthians 14, and it's, Paul talking to the church in Corinth. He talks about spiritual gifts and then he talks uh, about love and he talks about doing things a certain way. And he's talking about it mainly in the church. Uh, and so I don't want to lose that context. He talks about mainly in the, in the idea of exercise of spiritual things. And so I don't want to miss out on that context. But I, obviously with God's word, it's a sharp double-edged sword. Could pierce through everything. It applies to more than just that, that there's a deeper principle here that I want us to see. Um, uh, let me find it here. Okay, so it, that's why it's hard to find because it was written a little bit different in this one, but it's 1 Corinthians 14.40. He says, Let all things be done decently and in order. Decently, done well, done nicely, in order, right? To not do things, not put things where they don't belong. To put things where they do belong. To exercise them, like we talked about last night about tongues. To do them in the proper place and with the proper understanding of their importance in the list of spiritual gifts. Like Paul said, tongues is great. I want everyone to have tongues, but prophesying is better. And I like what, uh, and also one of the most controversial verses in the Bible is in here, but I'm not going to read that, but that's what, God's word says, and there's controversy about it because we don't like what it says. Um, but here we go. Oh, look. I guess it says the same thing in King James. Where is it? Uh, I thought I just had it. So that's uh, 38. Let all things be done decently in order. But if we back up to verse 33... And this is the one I really wanted to focus on. I apologize about that. It says, For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. And God is not the author of confusion. I loved that verse when I first heard it. It stuck out to me like a flashlight piercing through the night because I was so confused I was so upside down in my life when I came to know him that seeing that, knowing that, man, my life is messed up, but God's not the author of things being out of order and confused. God is the author of things being put together, 
of being orderly, of being right, of being sane, of being correct, of being understandable and making sense. And I love that verse because it's, I feel like I saw God through it in a way, in a tiny little way, right? A little peephole into seeing his face and his glory and his warmth and his smile in that. That when God writes something down, it's got a purpose. It's got uh, a love to it and it's, and it's safe, right? And I want to focus on that verse, Lord willing, that God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints, right? That his order brings peace. His order is right. And I'll start off with practical things, right? There's a saying that's gone around for many years, and I think it was more popular in the old days than now, but cleanliness is next to godliness, right? And I think they maybe get it from a verse like this, where they think that if God's a God of order, that cleanliness is the most godly you can be, right? Like, if you want godliness, right, cleanliness and the practicalness is right next to it. And I think that there's a validity to that, but I don't get the impression that Jesus walking around in the, the, the desert with the disciples was washing their feet because he didn't want dirty feet in the house. He was washing their feet to show them that he was going to serve them and love them and cleanse their sins away, right? That love was the ultimate. Being clean wasn't the ultimate. Being clean was a byproduct of being loved by a servant, right? Uh, but I want to take away, as a starter, the idea of something clean versus something messy. And just as a practical example, I know we're sitting in a bit of a mess now, but we're sitting in this mess now because I have a purpose to it. I am in the middle of reorganizing all these Lego to fit a better organization for me that I can better find them in doing something. And it's just a silly hobby, right? And it's a big mess, but it's a mess on purpose so that I can know which piece is where, I can get this one there, I can get that one there. And then my goal is I can't wait to get them all back in the drawers, but I've had more important things to do than play Lego, like work and going Craigslist, <laughs> you know, have dinner and sleep and spend time with you guys. But I make that point is because before I knew the Lord, and I know I've said this before, but I was very messy. And I'll make the point quickly is that after I came to the Lord, I began to be clean. I was clean in my heart. I was clean in my mind. I was becoming clean in my body, right? God was cleaning up my life, taking away things that were sinful, taking away things that were dirty, to where he began to put this order in my life. And the order has always got to be spiritual first and then the practical. Because if we begin to put the practical first, like cleaning or our bodies or our flesh, our, our, our spirit needs to rule over our flesh, right? Because as soon as you give the flesh an itch, it, it takes a mile and it tramples over the spirit. The spirit needs to be given precedence and order over the practical. And so as God began, to, as my spirit got in order with God, my life began to follow in order with him. And I get, began to be neater, began to be better with finances, began to be better with relationships, began to be better with responsibility because my spirit had gotten right. My spirit was out of order. My life was out of order because I was out of order with God. It was supposed to be God first and then everything else. 
But in my life, it was me first, and me second, and me third, and me fourth. And so my life fell apart. Because it's not the created order. The way God created it was to be God, and then us, and then creation. God was to rule over us. We were to rule over creation. When Satan tempted Adam and Eve in the garden, we upset that natural order. And we now put Satan in charge of reality, and we put ourselves under him. And that's why we're fallen, we're sinful, there's things that are broken in the world, there's things that are awful in the world. Like when I sent uh, news stories to mommy before she sent me, the world is upside down. That she sent a meme of a cat upside down on a couch, like you guys up there. It's out of order. It's funny. Like, why is a cat upside down on a couch? Because it's, it's not, or you expect the cat to be walking around. It's not orderly. So there's a humor in that. There's funny in that. But that there's a truth there that when things are out of order, things fall apart. And the Bible says that in the last days, things will be very out of order. That people will put the good for bad and the bad for good. They'll literally flop the natural order of everything upside down. And it says that the disciples turned the world upside down because the world was upside down for them. Bad was good and good was bad and the disciples and apostles and the church and the Holy Spirit came. They began to turn the world upside down and show them that there's a better way, that there's God's way, that things belong this way. God on top, us underneath. Not squashed underneath, but bowing underneath in love and reverence and worship and God would lift us up. We try and lift ourselves up on the Tower of Babel but God knocked that down because that order is backwards. When man is God, man gets hurt. When God is God, man is blessed. When I say man, I mean humankind in the classic sense. And so when God is a God of order and God is a God of peace, that applies to our whole life. That applies to creation itself. There's something called the law of entropy where things head towards a, a state of chaos. They go from being together to falling apart. You can just look at your Legos. If you don't constantly take care of your Legos, you don't constantly take care of your car, you don't constantly take care of your body, you don't constantly dust, especially in our house with a dusty road and fields, dust just gets everywhere. It goes in a constant state of clean and it just naturally gets dirty. It's never going to clean itself up, but it's going to make itself dirty over time. Eventually things are going to fall apart and go back, right? And that's because of sin. Because sin is evidence that the world is out of order. Entropy is evidence that the world has refused God's command. And so I say that because God gives us a specific order for everything in our life. He gives it as we look throughout the entire scripture, right? Scripture is not in chronological order from, although it starts in the beginning with Genesis and it ends with the end with Revelation. In the middle, there's stuff that happens out of order. You read Kings and Second Kings and Job and Psalms. They happen in all different times throughout history. But God has given us a specific order for those scriptures, right? That the, even just the, uh, the order of the books is on purpose. Now, I don't know all the reasons for that, but I guarantee it is that we might understand him in a way that he wants to reveal himself to us. But the world is in order, and it's put in that way for a specific reason. Why? Well, because that's the way God made it. Because God knows better than me, this is the way he made it. And he made it to be God and then man. 
and then the angels a little bit lower than men. But we flipped that when we sinned, like back in the garden, like I said. What also happened with that was that the woman would want to rule over the husband. When she was created out of man, she wasn't lesser. She was just next door. But now because of sin and her sin, it's created this order where she feels lesser, even though she's not lesser. And he feels greater, even though he's not greater. And I mean by better and worse, right? Mommy is very different than me. Men and women are very different, right? Each of you are all, diff are all different, right? But God has made us to fit certain patterns. We're not all going to be identical. Jacob and Esau were both men. One was a burly hunter. The other was a more sensitive uh, internal uh, thinking type, right, who was cunning. And his brother was kind of dumb and outdoorsy, right? And you can be dumb and indoorsy and dumb and outdoorsy, and you can be smart, you know? There's all different combinations, right? But there's always a man, and there's always a woman. There's always a child, and there's always an adult. That there's a point where these lines cross. And I bring this up because... These orders are important for life to work properly. If I put gas in my diesel truck, it'll break my diesel truck. If I put diesel in mommy's gas car, it'll break her car, right? The diesel's meant to go in my truck, and my truck works fine. The gas goes in mommy's car, and it's meant to work fine. But when we put things out of order, they don't work. Or if I put on pizzas on the wheels instead of tires, it might work for a little while, but eventually both will be ruined, right? Like there's a, a right order for it, right? Even when anything in life, I'm sure you could think of, but when God makes order, he makes it so our lives work. And it's not just about being clean. It's about having a healthy life. If you ate Oreos all day, you'd have no teeth like me, probably because I ate Oreos that day as a kid. And you would feel sick and you wouldn't feel very healthy, right? that there's an order you need to have. That's why we make our kids eat certain types of food, that they would have the right things in their life. And this order that God has made between God and man, between man and husband, between parents and children, between people and government, between government and God, between neighbors, between countries, between just the natural laws of life, are there for a reason. And number one, it's because of the way God made it. And if God made it, it's the best way you can make it. You know, Lego is kind of need to go on Lego again because we're down here in the Lego room. But they make a great set. But if you get good at it, you can make it even better set. But if you're not very good at it, you're just going to take it apart. And you have this beautiful thing that the creator made, the creator of Lego made. And you and I don't know what we're doing. And so we take it apart and... Yeah, it's fun, and that's fine, and that's part of it for Lego, but follow me on this. That if we take it apart and try and put it together we want, it might be fun at first, but it loses its value. It doesn't hold together the same. It might not even look right or work right, and it loses something to it. Now, that's the point of Lego. That's the point of being a kid, taking it apart, making your own creations, learning to build. So don't get me wrong on that. Take, a, take apart your Legos and make fun things. But when it comes to bigger things, more important things, like the things God has given us in life, he's the ultimate creator. He not only made the instructions and made the set, he made the universe that the set lives in. He made everything else that goes with it. He invented the plastic. He invented everything that goes with it, right? So when he gives us an order for our lives, 
and we decide to change it because we've gotten out of order. We've said, I want to be God. I want to make things in my image as opposed to God's image. Well, the order starts getting messed up. It might work for a little while, but eventually it's going to sink. And we see that happening in society. And really, it's, it's really clear. It used to not be clear, right? There are things that I won't get into just because, you know, they're a little over the head of you guys here as children. But it started out sounding okay a hundred years ago. That if we just do this differently in society, it's not a big deal. And maybe it wasn't. But then the next, then because that door was opened, another door was opened. Well, now we can do this. And then another door is open. Well, if that's okay, let's do this. And another door is open. If that's okay, let's do this. And now we've gotten to a point where things are not only chaos, but the world says that things that aren't are. And things that are aren't. And things that are one way clearly, they totally deny. And I know that's vague. But when it comes to your your and my life, we get hurt when things are out of order. You know, you stubbed your foot down here before because the stuff's on the floor. We leave stuff out, you trip over it, right? All these things begin to happen because it's not where things are expected to be. And we find that in our lives. Like, you know, if my wife, if mommy and I have a fight, it hurts you guys more than it hurts us in a way. When my parents were growing up and things happened, it hurt me more than it hurt them in some ways. It still hurt them, but because there's an order there. Because the parents, the husband's meant to, to love the wife, and the wife is meant to respect the husband, and the children are meant to be under the authority of their parents who love them. It's meant to protect us all. Because if the husband and the if the husband is under God and the wife is under God and the children are under God and they allow God to have the right authority, they love God. They know that this is the order that God has made for me as a husband, as a man. I'm to take care of my wife. I'm to love my wife. I'm to provide for my children because God has told me to do it. I may desire to do other things in life, but I can't do them or won't do them because I know it will affect everybody else. And I know the fact that God has given me this responsibility and the only way that I can be faithful to my family is by, by being faithful to what God has called me to do. And I'm faithful to what God has called me to do only because he's got the right place in my heart because I know that he loves me. He doesn't occupy my heart by force, by being mean to me or being hard to me, but he occupies that place in my heart because I know that he died on the cross for me. He put things out of order in a sense. He took my place on the cross, my punishment, when he never should have, in a way. He never deserved it like I did. And so because of that, and because of who he is, he should have a rightful place in my heart. And when he does, and I begin to obey him, what he says, my life starts to get better. And then other people's lives start to get better. Now my wife is provided for him. My wife is covered. My wife... Mm doesn't have to work as an example right it's not a hard fast rule but now because i'm doing what i'm supposed to be doing i'm now allowing her to do what she's able to do which is to raise children and take care of the home and you know the world would hate hearing that 
but there's way more to it than that. And why it's okay? Because she knows I love her. She knows I love God and she loves God. And if I go wrong and mess up, she's still okay spiritually because she knows God loves her and she's able to deal with it because she knows God loves her and all her worth is not wrapped up in my affection. And all my worth is not wrapped up in her affection because we have God's affection. And when that happens, a safe home is created because it's in order. Imagine if mommy and I never disciplined you guys. It would be chaos, right? You would do whatever you want. You'd run around and jump around. There'd be all sorts of things going on, right? We don't do it to hurt you. We do it to help you. We don't tell you to clean up your room to be mean. We do it because we want good things for you. We don't tell you to brush your teeth because we don't want to see you for three minutes while you go brush your teeth. We tell you to brush your teeth because we want to make sure that you your teeth last and you don't have tooth pain. You're not missing teeth and looking funny. And you know we want to make sure that everything's good for you, that there's an order there. But I bring this all up because... Everything in the world is out of order. The world, because of Satan, literally challenges everything God says. They're afraid of a flood again, even though he said he would never flood the earth again. They want to have people to stop eating meat and go back to the Garden of Eden because they think they can get back there. But God said you have to eat meat now because of the flood, because of the climate change that happened when the flood happened. You can't just eat plants anymore. It's not enough for you guys. You're supposed to eat meat now. And as a remembrance of sacrifice as well. Right? Remember Cain and Abel? That Abel had sheep and brought the sacrifice to God. And Cain was, a, was like a farmer and he had fruits. And he wanted to bring the fruit to God because it was his thing. And God rejected, rejected it because the fruit had no blood in it. The fruit had no sacrifice in it. Like the lamb did. Because God wasn't like, I don't like fruit. God loved fruit. He made fruit. There's fruit in the garden. There's fruit on, in the kingdom to come. But it wasn't a picture of Jesus. It wasn't a picture of God's sacrifice for us. It wasn't a venue and an avenue for man to put his faith in Jesus to come and the sacrifice to come for his sins and get forgiven. So Cain probably should have gone to his brother and said, hey, brother, I'll trade you this fruit that I grew for a sheep. Cain didn't like that he had to go to his brother to get something to, to worship God. Because he thought that order put his brother over him. He thought that all his hard work wasn't worth it when his brother's was a sacrifice. And it wasn't better. They just had different roles. Cain was going to do the fruit and Abel was going to do sheep. And, and, and what reason would there be for him not to have his own sheep, especially back then. Now it's a little bit harder if you live in a town or a city and don't have a yard. But he could have had his own sheep. He could have, he maybe even did, and he just didn't want to do it for whatever reason. Didn't want to kill an animal. But that's what God had prescribed. And that was the right way to go. And when God prescribes something, it's always for our benefit. And when things get out of order, like the father-child relationship, we begin to see God out of order. And I think a large problem with our society is that there haven't been fathers involved in their children's lives. There haven't been fathers who loved us. I wouldn't know how to love, I barely know how to love you guys. And the only way I can do 
any kind of halfway decent job is because I know my Father in Heaven loves me. And that's the only way we can do anything in order. Because, like I said, when God prescribes something, it's always for our good. When He says something, it's the truth. And it should be the last thing we ever hear. I don't know why we argue with God's Word. I mean, I know why it's sin, but I don't know why we argue with it. If God says it, why is it not simple for us to just do it? I understand trying to understand larger theological principles, but when things are simple, like do not steal, do not commit adultery, stay married, you know, serve God, tithe, whatever it is, I don't, I think we begin to trust ourselves and we begin to distrust God and think that we know better. We put things out of order. There are some Proverbs that I was looking at that we were going to read next if we had done Proverbs tonight. And it talks about the person who is stingy, trying to hold on to all their money, ends up losing it. But the person who gives ends up gaining more. That our, our efforts and our flesh to keep the order, to maintain our lives the way we want to maintain them. Like Jesus said, he who desires to save his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will gain it. And he who seeks after my kingdom, all these things will be added to him. That when we put God in the right place in our lives, all these things work out. Because time and time again, when I see friends and acquaintances and people at work and in the world, and even my own life, when my own life falls apart, and I mean things under my control, right? Like mowing the lawn or being kind to my wife or paying bills on time, things that I'm able to do on my own. Things work out. Things go better as much as is possible with me, right? Other people have free will and they can do what they want and they all affect each other. But the minute I don't want to do the things that I know I have to do for whatever reason, those things begin to fall apart and they fall out of order. And God doesn't want things to be out of order in life because it makes things harder. We lose things. Just going back to the practical of my messy room growing up, it was harder to get to my bed. It was harder to walk out of the bed. I was always hurting my feet, stepping on something, tripping over something. I was always breaking something, spilling something, ruining the carpet, ruining a CD or clothes or whatever it was. And so I ended up having less. I ended up being less comfortable. I ended up not being able to have certain people in my room because it was embarrassing or people wouldn't want to come over or things, whatever it was, right? It only hurt me. And I think we do the same thing in our lives when we allow God to not have the rightful place in our life. We don't allow the people in that we should allow in, like we talked the other week about faithful people. Because our lives are such of a mess, we're embarrassed to let anyone in. And then when we let someone in, they might not say anything, but we know they're thinking it, right? Because we've allowed our life to get so out of order. You know, no marriage falls apart overnight. It's through a lot of out-of-order behavior. No friendship goes away except for out-of-order behavior. Usually you're not going to get fired overnight from a job unless they, unless you did something really bad at once, but it usually be over time of just not performing as expected, right? So with all these things, God wants our life to be in order that we might have peace. And we, we won't have peace in our lives until God has his rightful place in our hearts. 
that if we allow him to be our king, our God, our friend, our lover, our <laughs> coach, our boss, whatever it is, if he's not all in all, we're the only ones that suffer. When we're mad at God and we push him out, it doesn't hurt him. Of course, it breaks his heart and it hurts him in a sense with the cross, right? But really, it only hurts ourselves because he's good. And when we allow him to have that right place in our heart, the first thing he gives us is that peace that passes all understanding, the scripture says. That even when things are falling apart around us, outside our control, inside our control, God sometimes allows that for us to put, to wake us up to put him back in the right place in our heart. And the minute we do that, the minute we find peace, and when we have peace with God, it's easier to be peace with others. We have peace with God, it's easier to put away the things that are making our lives a mess. When we know that we can turn to Him, that He's kindness, kind and His kindness leads us to repentance, it's easier to put away that sin knowing that He's not going to hurt us when, he comes to, when we come to Him with our sin. He's only going to help us. He's only going to heal us. He's only going to forgive us. And so I say that because the, another thing is because God wants us to have peace. And the enemy does not want us to have any peace. He does not want us to have quiet time with God. He does not want our lives to be happy. And that's the lie from the beginning. Like he told Eve, eat this apple or whatever fruit it was, Eve. Isn't it shiny? Isn't it good? Isn't it delicious? Aren't you going to be just as smart as God and know the things of God and you'll be better off? But he knew full well what would happen. He had no desire for Eve to be better off, for Adam to be better off. He just wanted to trick them, steal from them, and destroy them, and ultimately to kill them. And God loves order because it's easier for things to work when things are in order. It's easier to find things in life. It's easier to do things in life, especially spiritually. Life is so much easier when your spiritual life is in order, when you're praying, when you're reading, when you're worshiping, when you're fellowshipping. When you're evangelizing, all of a sudden those cares go away. All of a sudden those problems aren't so big anymore because you're focused on the Lord and on the Lord's business and not on yourself. But the enemy loves to upset that, loves to create chaos. If the enemy can create chaos in my life, he can create chaos in mommy's life. It trickles down into your lives. It'll trickle down into schoolwork and to the, uh, the neighborhood and to the country and our country is in so much trouble right now because if you step back it turned you know it was before this but we took prayer out of schools and then we took we took creation out of schools we took God out of everything and the only thing that can replace it is disorder and chaos and we wonder why is everything falling apart why is nothing working no matter how hard I try well it's because it can't work like that and the enemy loves that. The enemy doesn't need evil to be organized. <laughs> he just needs the home to be disorganized. He just needs individuals to not have God on the throne. And evil just has, has, its, has its way. The enemy would love, you know, in, in war as we close, they love to sow what's called disinformation and misinformation in times of war. Because if you can confuse the enemy to what's happening, then it's so much easier to beat him. If, like with Gideon, right? They had all the pots and they had the flaming torches 
And they surrounded them. There's only a couple of guys versus thousands of guys. And they smashed the pots and the torches were revealed all at the same time and they shouted and made the noise. Well, God allowed confusion to come on the enemy's camp and they were so confused they killed each other. And Gideon's men had barely had to do anything, right? God did it all and God used the tool of the enemy to do it. That if we're confused, <laughs> you know, it's so easy for someone else to come in and trick us. But if we're orderly, we've got our gun on, we've got our sword on, we've got our armor on, we've got our room clean, we've got the horses in the barn, well, we're ready for whatever comes our way. And that's why God wants us to put on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, uh, the belt of truth, and um, uh, the, the feet in the boots of the gospel, the preparation of peace, right? That we might go out and be ready for battle. And the first thing we need to do is put that stuff on. Because if it's not on, it's real easy for the enemy to defeat us. That we, it doesn't need to be organized, like I said. It can be just, look at the world. The world, it, sometimes it looks like conspiracy. Sometimes it looks like organized evil. Other times it's just because everyone's just out of order. Chaos reigns. And, and know that that's not God. That God wants peace for you. God wants order for you. God wants joy for you. And all the fruit of the Spirit. All the gifts of the Spirit as well. And they happen by putting God first. They can't happen any other way. We can't make it happen on our own. We can't do it our own way. We can't say, God, your word says this way, but I'm going to do it another way and get the same result. It just it doesn't work that way. And I think that to take away from all this, the ultimate order is just let God's order and let God's word be the boss of our lives. When God gets, says something, it's good. So if we would just let it have its way in our life, we would just do what he says to do when he says to do it, it would be easier for us, right? Pushing against, as he said to Paul, Paul, is it easy to kick against the goads? Is it easy to kick against me? Doesn't that just hurt you? Like they would have these little metal spikes on the back of a plow that the stubborn ox would kick because they would say, stop making me do this. And they would kick and then they would teach them not to kick and God doesn't want that for our lives, us to be all bloodied, all out of order. He wants us to have a smooth sailing, so-called spiritual life. Not that we'd have everything we want, but that we'd have everything that he wants for us. So, amen? So, God, we ask that you would have your rightful place in our lives and help us order the things, whether it's something simple like our room or our bookshelf, God. In the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter at the end of the day, but it's somehow a little bit of evidence of we're going the right way or not but ultimately god we want to have the spiritual armor we want to have your word we want to have right relationships with those around us that's being subservient to our employers being loving to our spouse or respectful to our husband or um, to obeying our parents whether we like it or not it's a good thing and so god help us obey you help us walk humbly to love mercy to uh be graceful, gracious to others, to uh, love covers a multitude of sins, so help us cover others' sins, God. And when we sin, God, may we come to you right away and ask for forgiveness and repent and for strength to carry on and move on. And God, that you would wash us clean and make us new as you always do, that we would be in order and ultimately help others find the right order for their lives, that they would have a better life here, but ultimately that they wouldn't find chaos in eternity but they would find a home with you 
in heaven. And we ask you, God, just for your blessing on all of us and all our friends and family, as always, in Jesus' name. Amen. So may God bless you and keep you and his face shine upon you. There is a vineyard of the Lord. There is a vineyard for our soul. With all our troubles left behind the door, we drink first life.